All right, welcome everybody to episode 122 of the MX Vice Show. We have an action-packed show ready for you today. I'm Ed Stratman, your host, and the first part of the show is brought to you by Parts Europe. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories, and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport is fortified through the Thor and Moose House brands and their support of world elite MX riders like Valandrin, Prado, Langenfelder, Guadagnini, Jonas, Bogers, and nine-time world champ and Thor ambassador Tony Cairoli. Your parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike, Necken, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycra, Rental, Recluse, and many, many more in stock and ready to be shipped. Check out their website at partseurope.eu or contact your local parts Europe dealer with a dealer network of over 10,000 shops. We're sure there is one close to you. All right, for the episode today, we've got Ben Rumbold joining us from MX Vice. How you going, mate? Yeah, all good, Ed. Yeah, nice to talk to Adam. And uh, yeah, we're getting the podcast work going on. So yeah, it's good news. Yeah, mate, we're, we're back with another one. So and, uh, the special guest today, Adam Sterry, uh, fresh from the MXGP on the weekend. How you going, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Nice to nice to be back. And of course, nice to be uh, recovering again from uh, the MXGP. It's been a, it's been a minute. Yeah, mate, it's good, <laughs> good to see you back on the gate. That's for sure. You uh, you put in a bloody good effort, I reckon, considering the circumstances and just coming into it. And um, how was the weekend from your perspective? Yeah, the weekend for me was was all right. Of course, it can be better, but um, not riding a GP for so long, it's it's quite difficult to to jump back in the deep end, especially when everybody's already been racing for a while. Um, but yeah, I, that's a track I like. I feel good at the moment and uh, struggled a little bit with arm pump to start with, like just from the off because um, we ended up going on the track at 12.45 and it was completely rough because it had been riding since uh, since 7am with all the EMX classes. So struggled a little bit in qualifying with arm pump, but anyway, ended up with gate, uh, sixth position in that, but because of the rules, ended up giving me gate uh, 26 in the qualifying race. <laughs> um, managed to get a good start and uh, yeah was uh, 17th at the finish in the qualifying race so that was not too bad for Sunday yeah mate it was it, how was the track because obviously a lot of riders some were saying it was good on the Saturday and a bit not so good on the Sunday and it was just like concrete and sections but then there was the softer sections with holes and lots of nasty bumps developing and it was just pretty brutal by the end of it so did you did you feel that too, mate? How, how how sort of deteriorated it got over the weekend? Yeah, definitely. I think that's probably the roughest I've ever rode uh, rode Arco. To be fair, uh, especially on the Saturday, I think it was a bit rougher on the Saturday. Um, they they graded it a little bit for the Sunday, and I think with uh, most fast riders on the Sunday, I thought the lines were a bit better for me on the Sunday. But um, maybe that's just because. I was not in the flow really on Saturday, and uh, yeah, MX GP and MX Two normally they had the free practice time practice and, and then the qualifying race, so they kind of rode the track as it was getting rough, as we just got chucked in uh, when it was rough. So maybe that's the reason. But um, I thought it was a little bit better on Sunday, um, but then my riding was better on Sunday, so that was maybe the reason. Yeah, absolutely. Did you find that? Uh, how did you find with the format? I mean, uh, can you? Pictures or doing that for the whole season? The, the, the sort of, was there extra pressure with the points on the line and things like that? How, how did you feel with it all? Um, I mean, I don't. I, I think it's a good thing that they that they have the extra riders, so it means that gate can always be full. 
Like, there's nothing worse than when you look at the race and you see 20 riders on the line. So, for me, I, I don't mind that. It's just, yeah, it's a little bit annoying that if the start's really important, um, like in Arca or like in other rounds, that the best gate position you can get is uh, like 21st or even worse, maybe if there's like Jonas was not riding, etc. So, kind of puts you at a disadvantage because then if you get a bad start in the qualifying race, that can give you not a good start and then bad position in the, for Sunday. So that bit's not ideal, but I'm not sure how they would really do that any other, any other way. Maybe because uh, you can't really compare if you're on the track at different times. Um, yeah. So that's a bit of a difficult one, but no, it, was, it, it was nice to be back. The format in general, the, the normal format of the GPs is pretty similar to the ADA. Just uh, the races are um, five minutes longer. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that that felt kind of normal. It was just getting back into it with the intensity and the speed of the of the GP guys because yeah, you forget uh, you forget how uh, fast them boys go. <laughs> and you, you had decent starts as well. I mean, you were quite up. Uh, you were up at the top fifteen, certainly weren't you in, in race two? So uh, yeah, I mean, instantly in with the the fast boys there. And did you have um, much hassle with them coming through the pack after the big pile up in race one? Uh, actually, in, in race one, I got a really good start. Just I got I had to stop a little bit because of uh, the crash that happened. I actually touched Fevra's front wheel, I think, or somebody's front wheel. I actually bent my gear lever up. So in the first moment I rode with there, it was it wasn't really bad. It was it was you could cope with it. It was about three clicks further up than I would <laughs> normally have it. <laughs> the first few times hitting that triple behind the pit lane was a bit sketchy with the, with that. Yeah. Uh, gear levers because I normally run mine like level to like it looks a little bit lower than the foot peg so for it to be quite high I kept especially when I was going to change down gears and stuff for the corner I kept knocking it um, when I didn't want to so the first few laps was was difficult to get used to that but after that was was alright it's just the, the the intensity of the of the first few laps like obviously the races that I normally do like the Dutch Masters and the ADAC they have uh, and Hawks don't exactly they have there's the depth of good riders but it's not as like the first lap in MXGP it's like inside outside into the side of your, your crash in front of you it's <laughs> the whole nother a whole nother level so it was nice to nice to get back into it and and uh yeah I enjoyed my I enjoyed my weekend yes obviously overall you you left feeling pretty happy with how it all went you and the team both were satisfied with the weekend and obviously haven't spoken to you recently you're looking for that full-time mxgp ride so it was probably pretty cool to put yourself in the in the shop window and beat plenty of excellent riders too yeah definitely i mean of course 16 and 17 i don't know how that gave me 19th overall but um <laughs> yeah. yeah i was looking at that yeah. that was a bit uh a bit strange that one <laughs> yeah, it yeah. Like it's like oh maybe maybe it could get you like 14 15 sometimes that can happen and then it's like what 19 yeah yeah, yeah. Anyway, i've got the, of course, I've got the results in front of me yeah yeah 16 yeah, to 17 yeah. it's not like uh amazing on paper but for mm. the first uh for the first round to jump back into it and I felt like I got better each session and my starts were good. And um, using that, um, I know now what I can improve on for, for the next round uh, that I do. 
Yeah, it was it was a good effort, mate. We were just sort of hypothesising. Um, obviously, you've had a good start to this year. Your fitness is good. You're looking great on the bike, and um, the first ADAC round was good. And um, we were thinking you'd be a pretty handy pick for Nations. Uh, at, come the end of the year, obviously with Wilson and Anstey, probably not going to do it. You would uh, probably be that would be a pretty good opportunity. You might be looking to exploit too. Yeah, of course. I mean, who wouldn't want to ride the Nations? I say every year I'll I'll ride the Nations two fifty. One, two, five, if I had to. <laughs> I don't care. I, I'll uh, I'll ride whatever for the nation. So that's something I definitely want to do again. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, doing GPs is a good way to, to do it because like last year, only doing one GP and only doing the ADAC and the Dutch Masters is like the people in the UK don't really see um, any of me ride or maybe don't even follow the results. So unless they follow me on social, they also you kind of get a little bit forgotten about in the UK, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, the, the level is certainly uh, high enough in the ADAC that uh, it's obviously kept you on a, a decent level. It comes straight in and, uh, yeah, almost on, well, uh, not not far away from Ben Watson, certainly even in the, in the second race, who's uh, obviously a complete MSGP regular. So uh, just looking at your results there, you did have, uh, yeah, a bit unfortunate because, yeah, Van Donning had one bad race. So did Pacharel, so did Seawer. Uh, and Bogus yeah. as well. So, yeah, that's why you got a lot back a bit further than you should have been. <laughs> there you go. That's how it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes sometimes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, and, and Ernay as well for the Nations then, is a, a track you like? Been there before much? Uh, yeah, I've been there a few times. Um, I mean, it's not my t- uh, favourite type of track, but it's the Nations, and, uh, yeah, if I was to ride there, I'll be well prepared and... and yeah, give it my all like I did in uh, 2019. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Go on the podium, didn't you, Yeah. Yeah, and going to the, being back on the, you know, MXGP scene, how did you find the atmosphere and the vibe? Obviously, that's a pretty pretty well-supported GP. The Italians really come out and obviously lots of fan bases from around Europe usually have the guys there and guys in the corner there going wild and you, you got the chainsaws and the flares and the Swiss were out in force again. How was the atmosphere, mate? Would you you enjoy being back in that? It made you sort of pretty pumped up? Yeah, it was good. I, di- I didn't enjoy the, the queue to get into the parking. <laughs> that was my idea. <laughs> but uh, now the, the, the GP's always good there because it's not, you haven't got such a massive spectator space. So it always, it always feels very uh, busy. But I think this year was maybe even more busy than possibly it's ever been. Um, so yeah, it seemed like there was a lot, of, a lot of people, a lot of people about. Um, yeah, of course, the the one corner normally guys a corner, but it was full of sewer and Italian flags this year. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that was good. It was nice to be back in the atmosphere. Nice to see it so busy and and uh, yeah, it's always nice when when you see flares and crowd going crazy and uh, yeah, that's what's what's also nice when we go to Matlin. Yeah, it looked like there was a few familiar faces there. Obviously, a few Brits go to that one, and you had um, James there, obviously for for MX Vice, and you did a pretty cool track walk. And did you did you enjoy doing that sort of stuff? And it's just good to good to be back in the in the scene a bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, nice that I I did the track walk, with James. Nice to see him again. I hadn't seen him for a while, and uh, yeah, just nice to see people. Like, there's a lot of faces that I hadn't seen for for a while, and. Uh, yeah, just overall, just happy to be back. And uh, I'd say one thing I didn't miss either was the roost. 
but <laughs> that, was, uh, that was something else on the first lap going up to that going up to that triple. <laughs> I don't know if you can even see it, and you can't even see it. I don't think, but still, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, still got some rash there. Awesome, because <laughs> yeah, you had uh, Tom Grimshaw in there. <laughs> Yeah, you had Tom Grimshaw in there, John Adamson as well. So, yeah, a couple of the uh, British Championship boys. And then uh, there were a few in the uh, EMX as well. So, uh, yeah, how, was, how did they experience it from your view? Did you uh, speak to them after the race, get their sort of thoughts? Um, I mean, the track there, I think, at the end of the day, could definitely bite you. And I think um, we've seen with, I don't know what happened with Emil Weckman's crash. I don't know yeah. how that was even possible. Have you yeah. seen that photo? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's insane. <laughs> I don't even You're remember on, the how, on your own, how is that possible on your own bike? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, that, that, I mean, there was there was one like that at British Superbikes at Alton last year, but it was somebody else crashed and ended up sat on someone else's yeah, back wheel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And going and going someone else's wheel. But how are you riding a lot? Your own going your own back wheel after behind your mudguard yeah. and then back in back wheel. There was a pretty sketchy crash because he was going up to the triple when it happened, eh? And then the bike just sort of lost it and it sort of had this sliding motion. Yeah, it was it was Did ridiculous. You, was it eh? shown on video on TV? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, like you could only see from a far distance as they exited that turn um to head towards so what the happened? triple. Did he like fall off the back or yeah, yeah, it looked like he just literally fell off the back and it slid out underneath him. And uh it didn't look like it like in real life it didn't look like that's what happened. But yeah, the photographer's <laughs> obviously done a good job getting that image and um it shows him doing the, doing the limbo. It was baffling me when I was looking at the picture. I mean, yeah, even, Yassico, even with Yasikonis' legs, he'd struggle to get that far back over the back of my car. Yeah, your ass right, touching your back even, wheel. Even Jesus. with him leaning off the back, he wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> I mean, it's talking about getting drive for the triple, but that's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, like over the weekend, you know, there was... That was, yeah, I don't think he's injured, but there was a few crashes, like uh, Grimshaw crashed on the finish jump, I think. I spoke mm. to him, he, after the second moto, he, he was okay, just a bit banged up. Um, Sandner had a bad crash in the mm. in the second moto, which is uh, a normal Adak rider yep. that rides ride in Austria. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's in intensive care, I think, so not good, uh from what I hear on on that side of, it, of quite a few things broken, but the track was quite sketchy and it could it could bite you at any moment. And uh, I think, yeah, if you come off for your first um, GP or or EMX to do, that's quite a difficult one to do. That's quite a, a unique track surface, and especially at a GP, the track gets rough. Like it 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 doesn't get at the British or something. It's a different type of yeah sketchiness. Yeah, there's so many bikes on it all weekend. And just quickly, Ben's actually got to duck off to another commitment, so he'll just be um, leaving us now. So thanks for joining us, Ben, and um, we'll speak soon, mate. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Adam. And, uh, yeah, good to talk to you. And uh, hopefully I'll see you at one of the um, European races that we get to and hopefully at the Nations as well. That'd be cool. So, yeah. No see problem, you again. Cheers, Thanks. Yeah, mate, getting back to um, yeah the, the British contingency, yeah, James actually, uh, he spoke to Grimshaw and Watson afterwards and... Um, yeah, Watson was just saying it was really good to see guys like yourself and um, Bobby Bruce, Rizzy, yeah, Grimshaw, obviously, just to, yeah, having a crack and testing themselves because that's the only way, you know, you're going to get better and it's a bit different for you. But for those guys that don't have so much experience at that level, 
you got to do it. You got to take the risk. And if you come home, you know, with an unsatisfactory weekend, even even Grimshaw said he had a went over the bars. He got a really big black eye, and you know, he said just yeah, just bitch at that track, like pretty much what you were saying. But he still gained a lot of confidence. And heading into the British Championships, he's like, I'm feeling good because I got that intensity. I know what it needs to be done to race with these guys. So he still took the positives, and even though it wasn't how he wanted it to go, he said he wouldn't. He, he didn't regret the opportunity. You feel that way? Yeah, definitely. I mean, of course, it's nice. And we need, that's something we need, more Brits back in the GPs. Um, over the last um, decade, we've had quite a lot of riders from Britain in the GPs. And at the moment, it's it's not many at all. So we need to get more we need to get more back there. But it's, it, it's a difficult task because, of course, it costs a lot of money and um, in the situation we are in at the minute. But it was nice to see more Brits there this weekend. Of course, having a go, and uh, hopefully the other closer rounds that are a little bit more close, we can see a few more. And uh, yeah, just nice to see British people and give the British fans something to to cheer on uh, on at the weekend. Yeah, mate, it was good, and it was also yeah. Watson was saying how good it was to see to see you there, and obviously have a little battle in the uh, in the second race there. And did you um did did you sort of get the feeling he's in a better place? Obviously, he said he's a lot happier. Um, much better environment for him with Beta and Lupino. He's he's really enjoying being in that team and they're they're making some enhancements to the bike over time and getting some decent engine stuff. He said he had to change the back to the original bike in the second race actually because um he had the the new the new one for the first race and um yeah something a little bit went wrong during the race but yeah he obviously did really well in that one and yeah, he's just looking, looking, cutting a bit of a refreshed figure. And as they get some more additions to the bike and make progress, we should see him hitting those top tens hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, definitely. It's obviously I, I speak to Ben all the time. We live, uh, we live really close to each other. Um, he's actually spent the whole off season pretty much in Italy, and um, this is like the first week he's back in Belgium. So. Um, yeah, I'll speak to him a bit more this week, but I speak to him all the time anyway. And uh, yeah, it's nice to see he's back enjoying riding, I think, more and um, happy with where he's at with the team and happy with the bike. So it's still early in the World Championship. I think they'll keep improving the bike. He'll keep improving as well. And uh, yeah, I think he'll definitely keep getting better. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can battle again at the next GPs I do. That, that was quite fun in the second moto. Um we passed each other a couple of times, so um, it was nice to battle. Nice to battle a bit further up in the second motor, and, and uh, yeah, had a few sketchy moments towards the end. So I backed it off a little bit, and uh, yeah, <laughs> could have gone very wrong. I jumped a bit off the yeah. left of the triple one lap. It was a bit of a scary moment behind the pit lane, and uh, another sketchy moment on the jump where I almost had a bit of a high side. So decided we had a massive gap behind. Uh, so just three laps to go, just brought it home basically, and uh, thought that that was a okay weekend, and we uh, can go again and improve this week, and got Dutch Masters this Sunday, so uh, looking forward to racing with the with the guys there. Yeah, did you did you find it tough to find the limits on that track, especially in the second one of like go pushing and or just easing it off? Was it a, a fine line you were pushing a lot of the time, or you felt like you were? Pretty, your experience, pretty in control. But obviously, you you want to just go as far as you can to finish as high as possible. Was it a fine line you were walking? Yeah, it, it not just that. It's just difficult to 
for the intensity as well. Like in the, you never have a you never have a a gap in 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 the MXGP. It's always someone. If you relax for a second, the next guy's past you or trying to pass you, and then if you if you make a mistake again, the next guy's there's always someone uh, pushing you and trying to trying to pass you. Not like maybe in the ADAC or something where there's not as much of a depth, like there's maybe 10 seconds behind or a bit of a gap or the guy's not as intense on you. But in MXGP, you're riding with, yeah, podium riders, ex-world champions, all factory riders. And to get into the MXGP class alone is 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 like quite an achievement at that level. Yeah. So you're riding with the best in the world. And of course, the intensity, I, I know what to expect because I've done it before. So I know it's going to be intense, but you know when you get back into it, it's it's still a bit of a surprise. So that was the only thing that took me by surprise. And I've, I do, yeah, 35-minute motos all all week. But that was the first race since Czech last year where I did 35-minute race again. So um, I felt good in the races. Just just it's something to get used to again. And uh, that's why doing the GPs can only be a good thing for, for the ADAC. So hopefully that will improve me to uh, close the gap a little bit to Nagel in the in the Adak and yeah like you said I enjoyed being back I think we're in a good place we learned a bit about the bike it was nice to get some starts at the GP and and, and put my name there again and uh, yeah my favourite rounds are to come so look for some uh, better results yeah mate obviously even someone like Hurlings was saying you just can't replicate that intensity doing the you know pre-season races doing training you just got to race it to get it so um it should only put you in good stead mate because Nagel's uh he was pretty on fire in that first round that's for sure he looked good and was there any other sort of takeaways you uh you gained obviously from racing those guys any particular things you noticed as as well just any technical things or things like that you saw no just like just like the level at the minute is so high and uh, especially on track like that, you see that the, the them top guys, they had a crash in the in the first turn in the first motor and and like maybe a few years ago they can get back to towards the top yeah. five, you know, but like Sue only passed me with a few laps to go. Uh Jeffrey and Fevre passed me like just after halfway, I think, maybe. So it was yeah, it's for them. Everyone is pushing the limits so high, and everyone's bikes are improving. Everyone's fitness is improving every year. The the class is just getting higher, like higher and higher. And uh, yeah, I think the the speed of everyone at the moment is difficult to if you make a bad start to come through. So, like it was in the past. So, um, what else did I take away from there? Nothing really. Just 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 a little bit about the bike. A bit about the bike setup it was nice to know what to expect and get in the rhythm of it again. Um it was nice to see some old faces there. Um so yeah, next next few weeks it's my next GP will be Toyshenthal, I think. So we've got over a month, I think, before that. So got a few more races as well. Got an ad out, got a Dutch Masters. So I need to get back in the sand for them because they're both sand, but straight away after that I'll be in the hard pack ready for Toyshenthal and uh yeah, I'll uh, I'll be ready as I can be for that. Yeah, mate, you got a pretty busy schedule, and it's obviously um you're you're pretty feeling good physically and, and mentally ready to attack it. Um, it was pretty cool, you know, seeing back just talking about the actual racing. Um, Prado was obviously pretty pretty flawless, and he obviously managed the race pretty well. Um, 
he's just everything's sort of coming together pretty well for him. He obviously didn't, um, yeah, his second moto is he's managing things well, but yeah, he's the starts are just killer for him. Eh? He's had that base and he's looking good training with Smets and the bike's obviously really good, which is something probably we should take into account with someone like yourself on a private team and the bikes, the equipment, the resources, facilities, all those other guys have. And like you're doing it like a lot yourself. So massive um, respect for that, mate. To be getting inside the top 20 is, a, is an extremely good effort, even though people from the outside might not realize, but the amount of work you would do is just absolutely immense. So um, yeah, just obviously talk a bit about that and about Prado and how you, how you see him so far. I mean, I think for Prado, it's going to be, in my opinion, quite difficult to beat him this year um, with that gap because a bad start for him is like third. <laughs> so yeah. that's uh, that's what you're dealing with there. Um, and yeah, but of course, it's motocross, anything can happen, mistakes, he can also crash, whatever, etc. But when you always start at the front, you you limit them, uh, them mistakes that can happen. So... He seems in a good place at the moment. Um, he's he seems really happy with the bike. He seems um he's got good momentum going. Of course, Sue has had really bad luck. You would put mm-hmm. him as maybe favourite when you've seen Geyser go out, and the way Jeffrey was entering the season, so he's having a nightmare. So I I see it's going to be difficult to to beat Prado, but as you've seen Sakamoto, uh, Jeffrey, yeah, when he's on he, he's on. So can't count him out. Um, and Renault also, but I think between Jeffrey and Prado, it will come down to in the end. But yeah, it's uh, interesting to watch and see. But like you say, I think at the moment he's he's in a good in a good place and will be difficult uh, difficult to beat him. Yeah, and he won in Portugal last year, and then he's got his home GP afterwards. So he'll be looking to uh, obviously sort of extend his his lead there at the moment. It's uh, sitting at seventeen points over Renault, and then you got Hurlings and Fevre. There's sort of that breakaway four that are looking like they're going to battle for the title at this point. Obviously, Sue is nearly 100 points back in, in ninth. It's, it's crazy. That's the, the bad luck and just the mistakes. And, yeah, it hasn't really come together for him. But, um, yeah, I think Renault's going to really push him all the way if he can stay fit. I had a chat to him last week. And, the, uh, yeah, the drive and the focus and of the man, obviously the first few rounds, first two rounds wasn't quite what he wanted, just couldn't get that limit right between pushing and, and settling. And so he's sort of had a bit of a shift and he's like, yeah, he obviously got that win last week. And he said in that mo- second mode, I just, you know, I'll let Hurlings pass because, you know, they're just, he's, I'm, I'm managing, they're playing the long game. So that's what it's going to be about is is playing the long game for these guys and not winning every single race because you're not going to, it's not going to happen. But the problem with that is Prado, if he keeps getting those 10 points, not that he did this weekend, but the other weekends, you get those qualifying points that throws a bit of a, Spanner in the works because obviously last week Renault won, but he didn't get the most points. But this weekend he didn't win, but he got the most points. So it's it's certainly thrown a bit of a cat amongst the pigeons, the qualifying points, hasn't it? Yeah, that, that's why I don't know if I agree so much with the points in the qualifying mm. race because I don't know whether it's made it less close of a of a title fight um, or maybe it's more close. I'm not sure, but it just seems like Sewer to be 100 points down already is... That's like almost impossible. It's almost impossible yeah. to catch up. Um, unless everybody else has bad luck and he starts going on a win streak. So, um, I mean, what round was that? Three? Four? Four, yeah. Four and 100 points back already. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, that's that's that's, that's difficult to do, especially especially like we said with Prado. You know, he's always going to get the start. Um, Fox might as well just transfer in that Fox whole shot bonus at the start of the year. <laughs> but um, yeah, starts starts is what makes it can make your race race so much easier. Um, it's like by far the most important part of the race, especially like what we said before with the with the level of the class. You cannot go forward so much, especially on tracks like Arco, where the, everybody is so close in time and there's nothing really special to do. Um, okay, maybe on tracks like Lommel or something, you can push forward, but there's not many tracks where you can be that much faster and take different lines and and work your way from the back to the front. It's just it just doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah, especially yeah, like that. Especially like this weekend, maybe a little more little more separation. But that Swiss track, the weekend before, there was they were all so close to each other, and they're just trying anything to get past. Um, it's because they're all just so bloody fast, and the, the level's so high, and there's you know fine margins between you know getting what you're getting third and fourth, or getting first and second, so or first and tenth even. You know, it's lap times are close, racing's close. So, do you? I was going to ask you about the starts. Do you like analyze? And watch uh, or and speak to people about uh, different setups and techniques to try and get it as good as possible. Do you watch some of these guys off the gate too? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's part of it. You'd be you'd be silly if you didn't look at someone like Prado or something to see what they was doing. But just it's difficult at the moment on the on the metal grid because for yeah. me, in my opinion, it's gone a little bit more. Yeah, I don't want to say it's all about the bike because it's not, yeah. but. With the metal grid, it's more it's it the bike becomes more into play than it does how it used to be with the with the with the when you just used to do a dirt start because like in Adak it's still a dirt start mm. and there when it's a dirt start you know you, you you feel like when you're on a more of a private bike you are on less of a disadvantage because you can different techniques the different gate prep you can do to try and get an advantage. It, the, the ground's always changing so it's different techniques as kind of like what you'll see now with the factory guys is they have like a start map and it's just the same every weekend and it's just as long as you can hold your position it kind of the bike does the rest so um that's a little bit difficult obviously when you're on a private team uh to try and get that right because um yeah what people don't understand is how much effort that factory teams going into these days especially how much testing they do what how much yeah the testing every week testing all different parts uh, the amount of starts they do with the lasers um yeah to try and to try and get it the best and obviously we don't have the options or the the, the circumstances to be able to do it as much as them boys but uh, that doesn't mean you can't get a good start in the qualifying race i was far outside and if I think I was further to the inside, I think I was top five around the first turn. So, not that you can't get a bad, bad start. It's just a good start. It's just quite difficult to do. And uh, yeah, everyone's pushing the limit with trying to get an advantage. It's getting more and more, a little bit like Formula One, where every bit matters. You know, it's the top of the sport, and literally every single uh, advantage you can get is is important. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Even you listen to like, yeah, James spoke to Lapino and Watson and they were saying, uh, you know, if they want something done, if they want something better, they just tell the fact tell the factory and they, they'll go and make something. You know, the guys, they they're not like an upper echelon of factory 
teams, but even that sort of a level, that's what you're competing against. Um, they can make bespoke parts and do all this time and effort, and it's just you know, yeah, it makes it harder on you guys. So, yeah, do you do you feel obviously going back to the starts? Do you do you sort of have like a routine to get yourself amped up because there's you know there's a lot of aggression and it's probably pretty intimidating because it's you know there's any so much can go wrong in those starts and you're having three of them a weekend. Um, do you have any routines or techniques to? get fired up or do you like to stay calm and just focus on what you're doing yeah no i some people like to shout and, and that on the start i just like to doing go that. through my head focus yeah focus what i need to do um yeah i always do the same thing i always think like i just said what my technique what i need to do and uh yeah, I always go into second gear quite early on the 15-second board. Check it's definitely in gear, just something I've always done. Check the fuel caps on tight. Um, scarred from the youth. Dad forgetting to put the fuel cap on properly. One time in training. It completely covered me in fuel, as you can imagine, somewhere yeah. you don't want fuel. Um, so, yeah, just them two things, really. Just go through my head, uh, what I need to do. And uh, for the second moto, actually, on, on Sunday, I... I got like gate six or seven on the inside. It was free. And I went there and I was like, oh, ideal. Like this way you go if you was on pole, you know, like I don't know how I ended up with that gate. I pulled in and I was, I looked to my left and looked to my right. And I was like, oh, don't know whether, don't know whether this was a good idea because <laughs> Renault was to my left and Fernandez on the Honda was to my right. So maybe the two best bikes out of the start. Yeah. But out of the gate, I was good. I had a good reaction. It's just the other side of the gate, they managed to pull a little bit. But we wasn't too far away. And, and uh, yeah, it was just nice just nice to to be there with them guys. And, and uh, yeah, we'll keep we'll keep improving. Yeah, mate. It's, there's solid effort, that's for sure. And um, just talking back to Fever a bit, um, yeah, obviously he's had sort of – he's had the speed, really, to be mixing it with those top guys. And he won the qualifying race and uh, – just that, that nasty incident in the first race that you avoided um, cost him. But, yeah, he's been very, very fast. He was super good in Switzerland as well. He had good speed in um, Sardinia as well. He, he managed himself pretty well in Argentina. It's just um, he's primed for a win. He obviously had arm pump surgery just before Hawkstone, I believe. So he's sort of just piecing everything together. But it looks like he's ready to win if he has a weekend um, where he puts it all together. Your take on him? Oh, okay. I didn't know he had arm pump surgery. Something yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course, past world champion. Um, also very, very fast on tracks like Arco. Yeah. Um, as you've seen on Saturday, but unfortunately the, the, the crash in the first turn on Sunday ruined his chance of the win. So, yeah, I think he's very good on the bike at the moment. That's also the factory car is a very good bike. Um, I think it's kind of tailored around him. And, uh, of course, on the 2024, so... Fever's also very good at starts normally, and I expect he will get better and be more consistent. So I expect him to be, um, yeah, right there, right there, battling for the for the title, um, like he was a couple of years ago. So, yeah, yeah of course, very strong rider, very strong team, um, but yeah, needs to not have the mistakes um, to compete with Prada. Yeah, because you, you get the feeling he probably would have won that 2021 if he just, you know, avoided a few of those little tip-overs that ended up costing him the title and those points that he would have needed. But, yeah, he's he's always fun to watch. He always seems to push pretty hard. You can sort of, it's, you know, he sort of combines the power and finesse, but um, 
yeah, he's fun to watch in full flight, that's for sure. And um, yeah, and that Cowie is um, you heard lots of good things about that new bike. There's various things that uh, people you know take a photo here and all of this and that. Um, you heard much about it? Um, no, not really, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I've, it's it's about it's everywhere now, so it's 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 no secret. Um, I'm. I'm not so close with Fevra, so I don't really, or I haven't had that much of a chance to look at the bike, so I don't really know what what's different. But for sure, it's a full factory bike. It will be, uh, it will have lots of uh, different stuff on it. So um, I expect the bike to be very good. It'll be tailored around him. It would have done a lot of testing this off season. It seems like with no photos, they were allowed to post. So yeah, it, it will be good. A very good bike, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, the, the pressures he's got because Mitch is not riding. So. Yep. Um, but yeah, he's an experienced rider, past world champion, so he knows how to deal with that. Yeah, and back back to a guy, another guy that's on a on a non factory bike. You know, Calvin Valandrin sitting sixth in the in the in the title standings. Pretty impressive effort by him. His speed's been very good, especially obviously in Sardinia. He was um, pretty electric. You know, he was sort of getting held up by hurlings and some of those heavy hitters because he, he was just trying to find a way past and had a couple of mistakes and. Um, Cost himself from being getting back on the podium, like obviously he won there last year. Your your take on Calvin and um, how well he's doing on the the resources he has? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Carl has been solid the last few years, and he's he's there right at the minute. I'm sure he will get a podium at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure on Calvin's bike. I'm not sure how much factory support he gets. I think he will get a bit. That, that's for sure. Um, not too yeah. much from what what we've heard. We've we've sort of heard it's quite minimal, but yeah, it's probably more than someone like yourself would be getting. Okay, um, yeah, that I don't know. So, but at the irrelevant, he's he's riding really good at the moment. He's he's solid. He's always there. It seems like he's taking good starts. So, um, yeah, in Sardinia, I think he would have expected a little bit more of himself, but it doesn't always go that way. And and like I said, I think he's feeling good and, and feels like at any time he can get on the podium. So a bit of luck or, or a track that favours him a little bit more or two more better starts. I think, I think you'll see him on the podium. Yeah. Yeah. And will you, will you find yourself, um, obviously Ferrato is another guy in a KTM. We, we sort of Lorenzo rest an Italian journalist was saying that's basically a factory bike. Um, were you around him a little bit? Did you, did you notice or did you hear, hear about that? It's sort of, Good to sort of measure up against those guys because you're obviously you're not really that far off them in, in the grand scheme of things. So it would have been sort of a good barometer to test yourself against some of those guys that are just sort of uh, you know between five and fifteen. Well, that would have been cool. Yeah, definitely. Like that's why in the second motor was good to to be there bat- battling with them. Like in the first motor, I felt like I was a little bit off them, but um, second motor, like I said, we improved each session and we was right there with Ferrato, Ben, Lupino, so. It was nice to close that gap a little bit and actually race with them a little bit. But obviously, Ferrato had a really good first race. He has really good speed. I think he was fastest in warm-up on Sunday. So he's obviously feeling really good at the moment, really confident on the bike. And, and uh, yeah, he got fifth in the in the first motor. So if he had another good motor on the second motor, it was also possible for him maybe to go on the podium this weekend. So that's what I mean. You have podium fifth in the first race and and what was in the second race, 16th or 15th? Yeah, 15th, I think 15th, 15th. yeah. So that there's the spectrum you can you can go, you know, one race you can be fifth and one race you can be fifteenth. So I think you have them riders at the front that are a little bit of a breakaway, like like you said. Yep. 
then you have uh, the next position where some anyone can finish from from sixth to to fifteenth, sixteenth, or or maybe even worse on, on the day. So, yep. that just goes to show that uh, that's why going back to the start. That's why it's so important mm. for a good start because if you are the same speed as all them guys, you can not go past them. But if you start in front of them, you can maybe stay there. So yeah. that's what makes it difficult. Yeah, you've got pretty, pretty amazing efforts for, you know, Gio, who's obviously, he did really well in Switzerland last week, I think seventh, and he's got eighth here. And he, he said that he's on um, just just a pretty well-stocked bike. So pretty impressive effort for him um, to be doing what he's doing. And obviously he's had a bit of ups and downs since he's moved to MXGP and, stuff with teams and injuries. So that was, um, that'd probably inspire you and give you a good motivation when you see him doing something like that as well. Yeah, I heard that this weekend, but I think that's out of choice from him. Yeah. From what I heard. Yeah, okay, It's cool. his choice that, that like the 450, um, yeah, like I also know a little bit uh, without like saying too much. I think Jeffrey runs also a little bit, not standard, but he don't like his bike so fast and aggressive because he yeah. he rides aggressive himself. So, yeah. um, some people prefer it like that. If you are an aggressive rider, of course, if you have a fully tuned four fifty, then it's just going to rip your arms off, wheel spin. Sometimes riders prefer it a bit more detuned, where you can ride it a bit more aggressive. So, that's probably the situation. Uh, a little bit what he have there, especially because he's so good on hard pack. Uh, in this time you you want a bit more power but yep. um, yeah from what I heard I heard that this weekend um, it's more his choice um, I don't know how much option they have for factory parts or not I'm not sure um, but probably not that much uh, but yeah he seems to be going good on the hard pack at the minute so it can't be it can't be that bad of a bike yeah cheers for the insight on that one mate that's, that's pretty cool to know and um how much? Uh, how much do you when you set up your bike? How much uh, do you do a bit of detuning too? Because yeah, obviously those things have got more than enough power for for pretty much everyone, you know. So it's um, how do you how do you do it? If you wouldn't mind saying, you don't have to, but yeah, just be cool to hear why you're here. No, not for me. I don't really detune it, but I also don't ask for it to be really really fast. I'm not so an aggressive rider, as in aggressive on the power or clutch or something like that. I'm uh, quite smooth, so. For me, a fast 450 is all right as long as it's it's rideable. I like to ride third gear quite a lot. So as long as it can, as long as it can do that and it's not too fast, then then that's what's good for me. Like that's what kind of when I was on a 250, it was like yeah, just on a 250, it's really easy. Just give you as much power. Being a bigger guy, just give me as much power as possible, and that's it. That's simple. How to set up a 250, in my opinion. But on a 450, when I was on a 250, I didn't really race a 450. It was kind of like, yeah, just excited to go on a 450, you know, because there's going to be more power there. But I actually think 450 is a lot more difficult to set up than, than a 250 because it's all about riding it and the, and the power and the setup as opposed to just give me the, as much power as you can get. You want a fast bike, but you don't want it too fast, but you want to be able to ride it because of 450. For 35 minutes, if you ride in it incorrect, we'll just you can be tired in one lap if you don't ride it correct. So for me, that's what obviously I struggled with the, the first few years. Um, obviously, the other issues we also mentioned, but the, for, just on a riding a 450 level, 
that was difficult to settle. Also, like if I jump back on a two fifty now, it's it feels like a one two five. You know, like um, yeah, just feel like I can use my strength if it goes wrong. Can can put it where I want and and uh, yeah, it's actually really enjoyable when you go back down to one. But helps you a little bit for the fourth to understand what you want, and it's taught me a few years to to get where we where we where I think I like the bike and and uh yeah now I'm happy with where it is it, my bike's rideable it's fast um but not not overly aggressive where it's pulling my arms off so I think at the minute we're in a good we're in a good spot and uh yeah I'm I'm happy with where we're at yeah mate you never know maybe other nations on a 250 would be a pretty cool option but um did you did you get a chance to watch much of the MX2 obviously probably a bit hard when you're doing your own preparations but did you did you have a have a look at that? Obviously, Adamo was very impressive. You know, just riding smart, getting two seconds. Um, pretty cool getting his first GP win on home soil, and he's he's coming up well. Start of the season really well, and uh, good to see yeah, Liam Everts get his first podium as well. Uh, teammates, so that was a pretty very good weekend for the KTM guys. And then Yago getting third, he uh, won the first one, and yeah, the second moto got got nicked by Adamo, then he got went to get up and then got knocked over again. So. Yeah, he 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 charged back through and got a nice sort of haul of points to get on the podium. But um, did you get a chance to check it out, or have you watched it back? Uh, yeah, definitely. So I watch normally. What I do is I watch the start and the first ten minutes of the MX2 motor, and then I go back and uh, get my own do my own preparation. Normally, I have the race also on to watch while I get ready to check for lines or maybe a passing place or see if anybody's doing anything different and just. Just out of interest, also just to watch the race, um, keeps my mind focused on 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 where we are and what we're doing. But the signal was not so good in Italy, so I actually didn't really see the end of the race. Um, but yeah, seemed solid. He he seemed like he was the fastest rider um, at, at at points. Probably spurred on by the home crowd and wanting to win the GP for the, especially if you get second, you know, in a moto it's almost as good as first in the first mode. So, yeah. you know, you can win the GP quite easily with a second in the first mode. So that probably gives him motivation. Yeah. You could hear the crowd going crazy. So obviously cool to see someone win their first GP, especially on home soil. And uh, like you mentioned, Liam for his first podium, that's quite cool that I think he put on the internet was 32 years ago. His dad yeah. also got on the podium at the same track. So that's pretty cool how that works out sometimes. And, and, uh, yeah, I've seen Liam obviously around Belgium and everything, uh, Spain in the pre-seasons coming up through the years. So that's quite cool to see him three generations of Everts obviously on yeah. the podium. That's I'm not sure how many times that's ever happened yeah. before, ever. So um, that's cool to see. And yeah, of course, good for KTM 1-2. And, and uh, yeah, Gert's looked a little bit disappointed, but I'm sure I think for him, he feels like third is a bad weekend. So yeah. Where did, I don't know where he got back. Where did he get back to in the second moto? I'm not. I'm not sure. I yeah, he ended up getting down. 14 points. So yeah, seventh. Yeah. So yeah, pretty pretty impressive effort. He was coming through, guys. Yeah, Borgmo, Kernan, Elzinger, Gifting, Harrop. So yeah, yeah, he's 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 legit, isn't he? His, his speed's excellent. Um, do you, do you have you trained? Um, or do you see much of the MX2 guys around the place? Um, any you particularly close to? Um, not particularly close to no. Uh, but I see a lot. A lot around. I mean, obviously, I was teammates with Rowan for a while, so yep. um, we're quite good friends. We did ride a little bit together at, at one point. Um, 
so cool to see him get his race win last week. Um, the Wolf also out here riding, riding a lot. Um, but yeah, not not that I'm so close with anybody or or or, or ride that much of anyone. Just just normal to see them round in Belgium. You know the the the, the Belgium team or the the Dutch teams. They're always here. It was nice to see Joel. Yep. Um, do some solid results also for, for the first time on the Honda. So I think that was quite good that he got 15th overall from just riding, going straight on the bike at the weekend. So that was cool to see. Obviously, it was a tough situation from him before. So um seemed like he enjoyed it and, and seemed like he was quite happy with the bike. So I think he will get better. And yeah, just nice to see another another Welsh rider also in the GPs. Yeah, not too many of them. But yeah, he was... um. I spoke to him oh, probably three or four months ago and he, he was just saying uh, the key thing for him was the intensity and the training and being able to last, you know, the whole two motos, not half of the first moto. And yeah, he, he was pretty upbeat about uh, having a big 2023. So hopefully he um, uses that as a platform to, to keep going. And in terms of the title chase, you probably pretty hard to go past uh, Yago, I would imagine. But do you, um, in terms of like future stars, is there any, Guys that you're particularly impressed by, obviously Kaida Wolf, Beniston, Langenfeld, are these guys um, extreme talents, the Coonan brothers, Lucas, especially at the moment, Sasha's obviously out, but um, the ceilings for these guys in the future, who have you penciled in as uh, ones ones to watch? Yeah, of course, it's hard to know. It's hard to know the age of some of the guys, but it's hard to bet against Yago for this year. Yeah. Of course, for, for real, for if you're being realistic, I think for being a world champion, Kaida Wolf, Liam Everts and and probably the Coonan brothers that they, they are they are so young that that yeah. I want to say it's inevitable they're going to be world champion but they have a very 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 good chance with where they're at at the moment barring no injuries or bad luck that they will fight for world titles for for many years so um yeah when you see the Coonan brothers and they are like sixteen I think yep that's uh. Yeah, that means you've got a lot of years, a lot of years left in MX2. So, um, yeah, with that many years left, it's it's almost inevitable you're going to fight for a world title at some point, barring no uh, injuries or or something weird to happen. But they're the they're the guys I think that are going to be around for a while in MX2, and uh, yeah, you'll be seeing a lot of, I guess. Yeah, I think the Coonans may probably planning on doing two years, and then I think they want to go Supercross. Um... So you got okay. So hopefully, you know, we might see him a bit longer. But I think it, I spoke to him maybe back in January or so, and yeah, that was the plan. And you sort of James speaks to them regularly, and yeah, I think two years, obviously, try and grab a title and then head to America. And obviously, they're with the same agency um, as the Lawrence brothers, so they're following that, that that pathway, I guess you could say, in some degree. But yeah, I think they want to prove themselves first here, and you know, they might do a bit longer just to, to achieve yeah. what they want to achieve. But yeah, the the future's pretty bright for them, mate. And yeah, it's pretty it's pretty good class. Obviously, that's sort of um yeah, Damo's second and Beniston and DeWolf there. Langenfeld is fifth. That's probably the the five guys realistically that we're probably going to be looking at. It'd be good for Rowan to mix it up there. Obviously, he came in with a shoulder injury and I think he was a bit under the weather at Sardinia. So he's building It'd be good for you personally to see him building some nice progress and just staying fit. Yeah, definitely. Of course, it's always good when when you see your friends or or, or people you've worked with in the past doing good. Um, yeah, I'm rooting also for my old team F and H. Hopefully, they can get 
bit better also and, and, and get them podiums that they deserve. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to watch MX2. It's young riders, so there's always mistakes that can happen, you know. Um, always good racing, like fearless, uh, fearless racing in MX2. Like you, uh, you lose a little bit of that when you get older. But you in MX2 when you're that young, you you don't care. You just take all the risks. So it's interesting to watch. And yeah, so far there's been good battles in MX2, and um, I've enjoyed watching it. And uh, hopefully we can we can see more battles as the years go on, as the year goes on. Yeah, especially with like your guys like Rowan and um Yago and, and Hogmo that'll be leaving the class. Um there's a fair bit of pressure on those, especially the 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 guys not doing as well as Yago, obviously he'll be going to a factory bike. But yeah, there's a lot of pressure to get those rides um about you know, they probably those deals are going in place middle of the year or maybe a bit earlier, like things would be in motion now, I'm assuming. So yeah, it'd be, be a fair bit of pressure on those guys. Did you find that when you were making the transition? Just uh it's a bit of a you know, guessing game, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, to get a 450 ride is definitely not easy, especially you can find it in a bit of an awkward year. Like, you'll find a lot of people in MXGP are on, like, two-year contracts. Mm. So, or, like, for the top teams, it's, like, two-year contracts, maybe. And if you if you end up, like, me, when me and Henry, we went up to, to MXGP, there were a lot of teams where the contract, they still had contracted riders, and we went up in the middle of them two-year contracts, you know, so there wasn't so many options, um, which is just luck of the draw, which is unfortunate, of course. Um, but, yeah, so you need a bit of luck with that. Uh, but, yeah, if you're a rider like Yago, I'm sure he Yamaha are interested mm-hmm. to keep him if he decides, to, if he wins the title this year and he goes up. Um, it's just, I'm not sure what they do. Then they are three very good riders. Do they kick one out or do they... What do they do in that situation? So that's something we'll have to see at the end of the year. Um, and yeah, that's if Yago decides to do that. I'm not sure um, what his plan is. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure if he wins the world title this year, I think he will want to go MXGP. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of contracts up, so it'll be pretty fascinating to see where the where the guys all land. And um, we'll just give you a couple more before I let you go, mate. But um, yeah, looking ahead the rest of the week, um, how's it looking for your recovery? few days on the bike and then and then back racing on the weekend yeah definitely i just did a little bit of recovery then um we ended up getting back really late last night a big drive back from italy oh how do you feel uh, physically by the way you're pretty drained or you're feeling good i feel i feel all right actually i mean arco's not the most physically demanding track on the calendar by far it's 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 one of the easiest i would say just it's more it's a little bit mentally tiring because there's so many edges and and the grip you need to find. But actually, for 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 doing my first GP, I feel I feel good. So I didn't throw myself on the ground at all. So that was good. So not sore from that. Just just like I said before, the roost the roost is a uh, is what I'm most sore from. But that's expected. And and yeah, especially if you go to like Germany, Teutonthal or something, that's where it's the worst. So no, I feel good. Um, a little bit of cycling for recovery again later and, and end up riding tomorrow, ride Thursday. Um, a bit more training on Friday and then Saturday I'll go to to the Dutch Masters ready for ready for racing on Sunday. Yeah, sounds good, mate. Well, um, yeah, thanks again for joining us. Um, 
on the MX Vice show before I let you go. I'll just do a quick sponsor read. So, yeah, the MX Vice show is also brought to you by A3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross and enduro parts, from hard-wearing protection parts, including skid plates and radiator braces, to performance cooling parts, including silicon radiator hoses and oversized impeller kits. AS3 have a huge range of bike clutch and gear levels, all with different features and adjustability as well. Check them out online at as3performance.co.uk. And thanks for them and everyone else for supporting the site. And uh, we really appreciate it. And thanks you uh, again, Adam, for, for joining us on the podcast, mate. Very much um, grateful for your insights and all the best for the uh, rest of the week, the weekend and the season ahead. I'm sure we'll speak to you soon. No problem, mate. It was nice to, nice to come on and, and discuss and show a little bit or share a bit of insight what, what I found from the weekend. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can do it again sometime. Yeah, no worries, mate, for sure. We'll uh, definitely hit it up and um, yeah, all the best and have a good one.